What's going on, coaches? Hopefully everyone's doing all right. I uh, want to remind you guys again, you can head over to our website, runthepower.com. You can find all of our videos that we have up on RTP Premium. You guys can listen to all of our podcast episodes over there. We've had three virtual summits that you guys can purchase and watch. We've also got um, articles. We've got apparel, uh, everything that hopefully you could ever want from us over at our website, runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Story of the Season. Story of the Season helps high school and college football teams share their story like never before. Each week, they collect all your video highlights, articles, interviews, and other content and publish a digital game recap magazine that captures everything that happened on and off the field. At the end of the season, they publish a digital yearbook covering each game. The revenue schools make from selling our subscriptions and ads more than covers the production fee and provides coaches with an extra funding for their program. Story of the Season requires zero effort for coaches and gives them an incredible tool to engage the world with their team. Contact Chris Herman by emailing chris at storyoftheseason.com to learn more or call 518-944-3311 or find them over at Twitter at story the season this episode of the podcast is also brought to you by team builder team builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country whether you write your own programs have a full-time strength coach or need training programs team builder can make your program better right now team builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-a-day speed and agility program this template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with J.D. Atkins and Chael Pridgen. Coach Atkins and Pridgen were both offensive line coaches at Dothan High School in Dothan, Alabama during the time of this interview. Since that time, Coach Atkins has been promoted to the OC quarterbacks coach. Coach Pridgen promoted to head O-line and tight ends coach. Listen as we talk with these men about their football journeys and how they have teamed up to best utilize their coaching skills to improve Dothan offensive line technique, practice, game film grading, and utilization and game planning. You can follow them on Twitter at Coach underscore JD underscore Atkins and at Chael Pridgen. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, coaches um, and whoever can start first, but – uh, how, how we always start this thing is let you go ahead and kind of give your, your football journey or your football background from uh, your playing days to uh, coaching and how that brought you to where you are now. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and start. Um, my name is J.D. Atkins. Uh, right now we're the offensive line coaches at Dothan High School in Alabama. Uh, that's South Alabama. Um, I kind of started playing. I played at Opelika High School. Um, which is a, a big 6A program in Alabama, uh, pretty well known. Uh, played for Coach Spence McCracken and Brian Blackman. Um, uh, had a lot of success there. Um, and coming out of high school, had a few opportunities to go play some smaller college ball. Um, but kind of realized that the, the market for 
a five eleven center wasn't very big and kind of knew I wanted to get into coaching. <laughs> yeah. um, Opelika offered me a chance to go ahead and start coaching right out of high school. Um, I ended up going to college right down the road at Auburn. So I took classes in the morning and coached in the afternoon and coached freshman ball. Um, did that for two years, coaching ninth grade O-line at Opelika. Um, then got an opportunity um, from head coach Barry Simmons at Central Coosa High School uh, to go be an offensive coordinator um, at a smaller high school, 3A. Uh, jumped on that. Went and did that for a couple of years. Um, then I graduated college and got my first teaching job at Central Phoenix City, um, which is a bigger 7A program uh, for Jamie Dubos. And uh, worked under him for a year. Kind of got my feet wet learning how to do the whole teaching thing and coaching at the same time. Um, working for him uh, kind of opened up a bunch of doors. And I got an opportunity to go be the offensive coordinator at Dadeville High School. Um, which is a uh, 3A high school in the middle of Alabama, kind of closer to where I'm from. Um, and I did that for a year. And then um, I've known uh, Coach Smitty Grider, who's the head coach at Dothan, my whole life. Um, and when he got the job at Dothan uh, coming into this season, he called and I was trying to put a staff together where kind of this new high school or two schools have merged. Um, and it was a great opportunity. Couldn't really pass it up. And that's how I got where I am. And uh... I'm Kale Pridgen. Uh, I'm also an O-line coach at Dothan High. Uh, I started off in high school uh, in Hazel Green, Alabama, which is in far north Alabama, about 20 minutes north of Huntsville, right below the Tennessee border. Uh, I played for Coach Matt Putnam for four years, and uh, I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to go play uh, football at Huntington College after that. And so I went and I played for Coach Mike Turk in Montgomery, Alabama. And uh, then after about four, after four years of playing ball, uh, I actually graduated with a degree in biochemistry, and I thought I was going to be a veterinarian. Um, but after I got done with school, I just I realized after working in the clinics that it really wasn't for me. So I was trying to figure out my plan, and and while I was doing that, I was actually waiting tables at a restaurant in Huntsville called Baumhauer's, and. Uh, after about a, uh, three or four months of waiting tables, I got a call from one of my best friends uh, who was at Strawn High School at the time. Uh, Strawn High School is in Andalusia, Alabama, which is South Alabama. Uh, he asked me if I could teach physics and chemistry. And I said, absolutely. And uh, so he, he invited me to come down and, and to teach and to coach football. And uh, when I got there, uh, I was coaching outside linebackers on uh, defense and uh, helping with the offensive line. And uh, after my first year of coaching, I realized that I was hooked and that it was what I wanted to do. And so after my first year coaching at Strong, I received an opportunity to go back to my alma mater, which was Hazel Green. And that was where I first interviewed with Smitty Grider. And I went there and I coached uh, defensive and offensive line at Hazel Green High School uh, for a year under Smitty. And then after that year, Coach Grider decided to take the job uh, at New Dothan High School, which is whenever we found out that uh, two schools in Dothan, Alabama were merging together. And he gave me a call and he invited me to 
come along with him to Dothan. And uh, it was just an opportunity that I could not pass up. It was, it was too great of an opportunity. So um, I'm now at Dothan High School working with Coach Atkins. Uh, him and I are both the O-line coaches. And uh, I'm extremely grateful for my opportunities. And I'm grateful for Smitty Grider and the offensive coordinator, uh, Tim Gillespie. Well, I, I've been excited, you know, to, to do this episode, coaches, because uh, I'm in the exact same boat. I've got another guy that, that coaches offensive line with me at Broken Arrow. Um, we think that it's – if you can get two guys on the exact same page, um, that it – that's the way to do it with offensive line. I mean, we're the only, only position where you're coaching, you know, five guys at a time, sometimes six, depending on how you do your tight end, maybe seven, depending on how you do your tight end's fullbacks. Um, and, and only one set of eyes. And so when we can get two guys doing it, uh, I mean, in practice, you're with, you know, if you're lucky, you're, you've got 15, maybe upwards of 20 guys uh, in your program. If you've only got one coach, it makes it unbelievably difficult. If you've got two coaches that are on different plans, that can also make it extremely difficult on the rest of the staff. But if you've got two guys that are on the exact same plan and are bought in together, uh, we believe at Broken Arrow anyways, that it can be a um, it, it's a huge, um, it's a huge advantage for us. How do you guys use uh, the ability to have both of you guys as an advantage? Yeah, we, uh, you kind of hit it on the head. We had 23 guys last year, um, and like we said, brand new program, uh, kids from two different types of offenses, two different types of football, and so we kind of saw from early on, like you said, we had to be on the exact same page. Um, we also handled the tight ends and the fullbacks in the group. So, like you said, six, seven different positions at one time. Um, we just, we sat down early on in the summer uh, when we first had an opportunity um, and really hashed out our lingo, kind of developed our language. You know, what were we going to call this technique? What were we going to call this type of block? You know, what were our combo calls? And how are we going to ID fronts? And what were our checks? And yada, yada, yada. And just made sure that – we were kind of on the exact same page as far as how we were going to teach the kids, what we were going to teach them, what we were going to say, you know, what the things we thought were important were. Um, and, and because of it, I, I think we were able to kind of really mesh well and mesh our identities and personalities together and, and kind of really put the best foot forward for the kids. Yeah. And, and as far as, as far as the advantage for two O-line coaches, um, I think coach just said it. we we developed our lingo and, and we developed a, a common language. So the kids are hearing it from both coaches. And as far as practice goes, um, oftentimes, you know, one of us is looking at one half of the line, the other's looking at the other. And then uh, after we get done with practice and we're watching practice film, we, uh, it's just great because you have somebody else with a completely, maybe a completely different perspective than you. And maybe they see something that, that you didn't. And you both can hash on that and, and come up with the, with the best plan moving forward for your kids. Um, you know, the, the, best, the best thing about it is just having another opinion and not having to rely on just yourself. You know, having somebody else that is uh, just as, as competent as you that, uh, it, that just benefits the kids in, in so many ways, just having two different perspectives on the same deal. Yeah, so so maybe take me into a little bit more. How do you break that up during practice? How does uh, so obviously uh, I'm assuming somehow you guys split it halfway, uh, whether it's tackles and guards or left and right side or maybe strong and weak side. 
how do you guys do that in practice, like in, in, uh, in team when you're watching the full line? And then how do you guys do that uh, as far as individual? Are you guys breaking up half the line? Are you going to tackles guard? Are you going the ones and the twos? How do you guys break all that up? So, like, in Indy, uh, you know, one thing me and Kale do a lot is uh, do a lot of talking uh, before practice, whether it be during the day or the night before after the previous practice. We do a lot of planning as far as, you know, we want every rep that's going to be taken and and every drill we're going to do broken down as much as we can so that we're getting as many reps as possible and not wasting time with guys standing around. So depending on the day um, is how it gets broken up in Indy. Mondays is kind of our big zone focus day. Um, it's going to be nothing but inside zone, outside zone, split zone, and zone insert. Um, and so on that day, usually we more during Indy, we break it up right and left um, because we're kind of working the same principles um, and the same type of combos together. Um, Tuesday's more gap focused, power, counter, uh, buck. And on those days, we may split it up, tackles and tight ends, and then uh, guards and centers. And while one guy's working, you know, solo down blocks. The other guy's working pulls and backs and different things like that um, as far as Indy goes. Um, depending on the day, depending on what we're trying to get accomplished, we may break it up right and left. We may break it up guards and tackles, guards and centers, whatever we're doing. Um, so it kind of just changes day to day. Um, and Coach Bridgen can kind of tell you more about how we do team. Uh, yeah, so as far as team goes, um, J.D., he runs our scout defense. And I'm behind the offensive line. I'm, I'm giving them the signals. And while he's making sure that we're getting the correct looks for that week, uh, I'm making sure that the offensive line is uh, using their angles correctly and using the right techniques and uh, making the right calls, uh, making sure that we're crisp for Friday night. Um, Coach Atkins also uh, looks across, and, and he makes sure things are going well, too. Um, but as, as I'm sure you know, it's, it's a lot to have to line up a scout defense because oftentimes those kids can be a little bit unmotivated. But uh, J.D., he's done a terrific job making sure that our offensive line has had uh, the best looks and, and the proper alignments to, to get ready for Friday. But, uh, yeah, that's just, as far as team goes, that's, that's, the way it, that's the way it works. How do you guys – how do you script that? Uh, coach the the defense is that something that you just watch you know during the week and then put out the front you know they're going to see is that something that you uh, make cards for each defense uh, kind of curious how you do that um, also I think it's a I'm the guy that sets up our defense for us and I think it's a huge advantage to be able to stand over there uh, I like being able to see from from that point of view and I think that you can tell when your offensive line is communicating and when they're not so much better when you're on the defensive side yeah, yeah, you nailed it. Um, what we do is kind of – it all kind of – the process kind of starts on Sunday. Um, we meet as a staff. Um, and uh, kind of kind of our role uh, for to prepare for the meeting is to go ahead and get the fronts uh, that they base out of and then any change-up fronts that they may use as well. Uh, we go ahead and chart uh, the blitzes and stunts that they're going to use. Um, anything like that in the box we're, we're prepared for coming into Sunday's meeting. Uh, once we sit down with our OC, uh, Coach Gillespie, uh, we'll talk about, um, you know, what, the, what they base out of, what we want to show the most to our kids this week, and then what kind of exotics do we want to kind of mix in and when do we want to mix them in. 
Uh, so we'll start to script practice for the week as far as what plays we're running during inside drill, uh, what play we're running during team. And then uh, me and Coach Bridgen can then take that play script, uh, which has formation, it has hash, it has everything we're doing. And then we can go look at the percentages from the, from the film breakdown and look at, you know, what, what are we most likely to see um, during this uh, form of situation. Um, and then we can kind of script it from there. Uh, we try to start the week uh, mostly with kind of their base looks um, without a lot of exotic pressures or stunts. And then as we progress through the week, we kind of turn up the volume on them a little bit and start throwing some of the more fancier blitzes and stunts at them. Um, but like you said, standing out there um, with the defense, lining them up with the linebackers, I really get a good look at, you know, the center and inside the box and how the communication's going and are they making the right checks and adjustments. Uh, for the fronts and stuff like that. And so as we're coming off the field after a series, you know, uh, Coach Prison will be bringing out our scout offensive group to help get them set up. And I can really diagnose with our first and second offensive group, you know, what they messed up on, what they need to see differently, and yada, yada, yada. So, And uh, another thing that we do is early in the week, we'll actually, uh, during indie time, we'll actually line the kids up and, and we'll take everything very slow. Uh, we'll show them what front they're running, what stunts they're running, and, and we'll show them what, what we call it what, and, and their checks, and, and we walk through it. So that way, whenever we get to team, uh, they've already seen it. They're already familiar with it, whether it was through film, whether we were on the board, or whether we did that during Indy. And uh, another thing that, uh, that I think that uh, JD does really, really well is not only does he teach the lingo for the scout defense uh, to, to our guys, he actually teaches it to the guys who are running the scout defense. So at first, you know, in the uh, early during the week, you know, it may be a front that is kind of new. So he'll teach them the lingo for it, how to line up. And then we get into team and then we, we do that. And then as the week goes on, uh, the kids have already been running it for multiple days in a row. So that way we can really, really get more reps with our offensive line. And then as it goes on uh, next week or week after that, it may be a front that we've already seen, a front that we already have a language for. So the scout defense already knows the terms. And so uh, we can get more reps earlier in the week and we can, we can really get ourselves ready. Fellas, I love what you said, you know, about how you broke it down Monday with, with your zones and you guys would break it down, you know, kind of right and left side. And I know you guys had said zone insert. Uh, I love that that way of teaching it, you know, being able to kind of break apart, you know, the front side of the zone play and the back side of the zone play, because it, it really allowed you to think what I felt like, you know, be able to teach the, the insert, teaching some of our folds that we did on the backside, and then also being able to teach, you know, that, that fullback, you know, having to strike back across and really, you know, teaching the intricacies of how to strike with that near foot, near shoulder, you know, where does my hat placement need to be in my shoulder, I just felt like our zone got so much better when we broke it up with two offensive line coaches, you know, and it was either me coaching the front side uh, and someone else coaching the backside or, or vice versa. I just felt like the details of the zone play and, you know, all the different things we could do off of it just multiplied because we broke it into pieces. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree a hundred percent. We, the more reps you can get, the better when it comes to inside zone and wide zone, both it's, it's such a feel type play and it's such a, such a dance that you really have to kind of trust your partner on and 
And so the more you can get the kids going, the more reps you can get them, the more kind of live reps you can get them, and the more looks you can throw at them, the more confidence they develop in themselves. And that translates to the field on Fridays. And the beautiful thing about it is with two O-line coaches being able to break it up, not only do you get more reps for your starters, but you also get more reps for the backups. So whether it's uh, somebody else who, you know, maybe gets a battlefield promotion on Friday or maybe it's looking on to next year uh, for somebody who will be starting, um, they may not get quite as many reps as the starters, uh, but they will have had enough to where uh, they should at least mentally feel comfortable with the concept and, and the way that they move and the way that they execute their techniques on the play. Yeah, How do you guys – go ahead, Walls. I was just going to say, then, then coming Tuesday, you know, when you guys break it up into to gap schemes, I'm always interested how you do that. You know, being, being a power team, you know, to me it was, it was always kind of weird. You know, was that something, you know, you guys to take like front side guard, front side tackle, and, you know, it's an even front working a bunch of deuce blocks. You know, okay, Coach Pridge, you're going to take the centers and you're going to work the back block, and then we're going to have the, the square pull, and he's blowing through the, the inside half of the play side linebacker. How do you guys kind of break up, you know, teaching your different, you know, aspects of the gap? Because I think there's probably a couple different ways you guys could do that. Uh, one way we did, uh, so let's just take power, for example. Uh, if we're really heavily focused on power this week, um, we may break it up, you know, center and right side and then center and left side. And let's both take a center and a side. Um, and that allows us to work front side and then turn around and work back side as well. Um, so, like, while you can work the front side double of the guard and tackle, you can also be working uh, the back block of the center. Um, if you've also got the tight ends with it as well, you can go ahead and add um, the kickout block as well. Um, and then so while coach may be working the front side over here with the right side, I may have the left off to the other side, and I'm working the back with the, with the uh, skip pull. Um, and I can just take a couple extra bodies, some backup guys, and kind of fill them in on the front side so that he can kind of get a correct path on his pool. Um, so usually things like that. And uh, we always make sure that uh, every week we alternate. You know, if I worked with the right side last week, I'm now working with the left side and, and vice versa. That way the kids are getting the same coaching from, from both coaches and, and it doesn't lead to any uh, – it doesn't lead to any kind of – confusion uh as far as that goes but that's that's kind of the way that that we do it just making sure that the kids are hearing the same lingo and and getting the same coaching across the board yeah well that's an interesting point I've always found um at least going into to you know spring and, and different things uh, you know when we were getting to have spring football um I, I always like to break it up and go you know right guard right tackle with me left guard left tackle with coach Broyles and that way with the double teams being so important, now both sides are getting the double teams. Um, I never found a great way to work with the centers. I've kind of been lucky and, and kind of let them be older guys and work with themselves a little bit. Um, and then pulling guards, uh, a lot of times when we're doing work in pulling, I, I kind of try to do the same thing, have us work pulling and, and have the left side uh, work pulling at the same time just so we can maximize those reps. But it's always interesting hearing how guys like to break that down. And, and it, it depends, too, on what weeks are, you know, what kind of front are we going to see? You know, are we seeing uh, that uh, an odd front where, you know, it's more tackle base block or is it an even front where we do need teams to double? If it's odd, then we need the backside tackle to really be working a, a gap reach. It's, it's, um, it seems like a lot for us anyways. I'm kind of interested in how you guys, but 
for us anyways, it's very dependent on the week and what defense we're seeing. Yeah, so uh, what, one thing we did with gap scheme stuff, uh, especially when we saw odd fronts, was we would group the tackles with the tight ends um, and then work the guards and centers together. Um, because with the tackle tight end, you know, depending on what you're getting, if you're getting four, if you're getting four eyes, you're getting five, whatever, you're going to be having to work kind of that sift and that gap exchange of the tackle and the tight ends block. Um, and so that's one thing we would do a lot is kind of pair them up to work that. And then while we're doing that, we're working the garden center. So if we, if we get a front that allows us an opportunity to get a combo block there with the garden center to the backside backer, uh, we can work that exchange. And then also we can kind of work solo down blocks and then also work our pool footwork at the same time. And, uh, you know, it's as far you know, you mentioned Oki. Um, it's, it's so important when you're going against an Oki front that the offensive line really understands their eye discipline and their movement discipline. Um, and that's, that's what's so important about having two O-line coaches because when you split it in half, uh, you're not, you don't have the entire group. You don't have all 23 kids. Uh, you have half of that. And so now not only can you work more reps in your drills, but you can also take a little bit of time to really coach them up and talk about, you know, the way that their movement needs to be off of the line, depending on the alignment of the end or where their eye discipline needs to be. So not only is it more reps, but it also allows the coach to be able to get their kids mentally locked in as well and understand the concept and, and what they're doing. Coach, so, so I'm also kind of curious, what does that look like for you guys on game day? That's always the toughest part for me. Uh, and then I always end up saying, all right, I'm going to look at the whatever side. And then you look at the left side. And then I always end up wandering and my eyes go wherever they go. And I forget. I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot. I'm, I'm looking at this side. But uh, what are you guys looking at on game days? How do you split that up? How do you guys work together uh, on Friday nights? So our, our game day assignments come from our OC. And so what we kind of been doing this past year was I'm up in the box. Um, and so I'm responsible for, you know, obviously what front they're giving us and stuff pre-snap. But during the play, um, I'm looking center and far side. And then and then Coach Prison, who's on the sideline, is kind of looking near side, that garden tackle or tight end if he's over here with us. Um, that way, you know, I've got the better view from the box so I can see the far side a little bit better. Um, and then as soon as it's over, we can kind of get a whole discussion as far as what's going on. And then uh, after the, the players uh, are done with their drive, uh, me and Coach Atkins both have a headset. Um, we're, we're in constant communication with each other. So as soon as the offensive line comes off after their drive, uh, they come over to the tent where we have huddle sideline. And so we're watching the film of the game, and we're able to make adjustments on the go. Coach Atkins is uh, feeding me information as far as what's going on on the far side. And I'm taking that information and combining it with what I see. And so the kids can actually see it on film. And not only can we correct mistakes that we've made or are making, uh, but we can also make uh, game time adjustments as well. What, uh, what kind of offense are you guys running? You know, what, what's Coach Gillespie's kind of style, you know, as far as – you know, what you guys do, are you guys, you know, obviously you're running both some zone and gap, so you're pretty multiple with your run schemes, but are you guys kind of, you know, super run heavy? You guys RPO, play action, run the QB, you know, how do you guys kind of operate and, and attack people at Dothan? So 
uh, Gillespie's kind of MO coming into the Dothan. He's, he's always been kind of known as more of a 10 personnel, um, slinging around, air raid type guy. Um, coming into Dothan, uh, we kind of had some different personnel. Uh, we had a very athletic quarterback, very gifted with his legs, uh, and a good decision maker. Uh, we also had two phenomenal running backs, and we were very blessed up front uh, with a senior-heavy offensive line, uh, four seniors, and uh, great size. I think we averaged probably like 290 across the board up front um, and ended up having two senior tight ends um, that were pretty good players for us. And so we kind of shifted from his normal style of 10 personnel slinging around to more of an 11 and 12 personnel team um, that was that was really, you know, just punishing people um, running the football and uh, doing some good RPO stuff off of it. Um, and, and some, I mean, we've got, we had some playmakers. So we're, I mean, it's a typical spread, uh, spread it out, get to your guys in space. But, but, but to have the ability to go from, you know, 10 personnel, spreading it around, hitting quick game on people, and then jump into a 12 personnel set and kind of punish people. Uh, so we were, we were spread, um, I'd say they spread multiple. Um, with a with a heavy emphasis on being able to control the tempo and, and go fast when we need to go super fast and wear people down, but also kind of slow it down and ease up on it when we need to give our defense a break a little bit. And uh, the the thing about uh, Coach Gillespie is is the way that we teach our offense. Uh, very early in the year, we teach them a broad array of concepts, ranging from zone to power, buck sweep, GT counter, CT counter, GY counter. Um, we teach them uh, basically an entire duffel bag full of run concepts. So that way, whenever we go into uh, a week and we see the way that the angles are working out on film, you know, maybe this is a week where we want to run the book a lot more, or maybe this is a zone week, or maybe this is a counter and power week. And the great thing about Coach Gillespie is uh, it's very hard to overload our box because he's He's very good at accounting for the extra defender with an RPO. And like Coach Atkins said, we had a, a very gifted quarterback that was a very uh, smart decision maker. So oftentimes he was able to make us right. Yeah, you always got to have the, the good players and things like that. So I'm always asking, I'm always interested too in, in asking, you know, offensive line guys, you know, when you guys do have, you know, RPOs called, is, is it your guys' philosophy, you know, I feel like, especially in some of the gap scheme RPOs, you know, you're, you're double teaming a lot of times to the guy that you're, quote, reading in the box. Is that something that you guys, you know, teach your guys? Or is it, you know what, we're just going to have them block the run play. We don't want to have to confuse them too much with that. And, and if the guy, you know, if the guy stays there, he stays there, we hand it off. If the guy comes at us, obviously we're coming off. How do you kind of go about teaching those guys some of the RPOs you might run off of? you know, your, your guys' base run plays, especially those gap scheme plays? Because I think sometimes you run into problems when guys, you know, they'll leave that combo a little bit too soon. Yeah, well, um, on the gap scheme stuff, we teach our guys anyway on, on whatever combo we're doing. We want to deliver the combo to the doorstep of the guy we're taking it to. So if, if we're running power and we've got that, that front side double team working to the backside linebacker, we're driving that guy together until the last possible moment to come off anyway. So a lot of the time that kind of takes us out of that weird gray area of lineman downfield and, and stuff like that. Um, 
But as far as gap scheme stuff, we usually don't teach them anything but run the play that's being called. Uh, one of the things we do is we, we use two different signalers. So the O-line's getting their own separate signal from, from the skill guys anyway. Um, so the only time they're really conscious of, of, a, of a read guy for a throw on a second level or a third level RPO guy is really in the zone game. Um, but outside of that, we really focus more on, you know, establishing the run, running our run play, not worrying about what's going on behind you and just doing your job. And that's and that's one thing that I, I'm, I'm very proud of what we were able to do this year is uh, we were actually able to create a culture of, of physicality. And on every run play, you know, we, we weren't we weren't super concerned with what the RPO was or what the read was. We were just trying to handle our assignments and the guys in front of us. And so uh, by doing that, we were actually able to take a lot of the thinking out of the game, which allowed our kids to be able to play faster and execute better. So when you guys are going with the two signals then, do you, is your, quarter, your quarterback doesn't have to look at you guys at all. You got, your O-line guys only look at you. Quarterback doesn't have to tell them anything, and it's just the skilled dudes that are getting, you know, say it's a run play, you know, they know that it's going to be their blocking scheme. And then say, if, obviously, if it's an RPO, they're going to get the concept. Is that how you guys kind of do it? Or do you give your quarterback a little bit of leeway where he does have to maybe call some protections and things like that? Uh, yeah, so a little bit of both. Uh, as far as signal-wise goes, um, you know, the O-line's getting their signal from the O-line signaler, uh, which is Coach Bridgen. And then the skill guys are getting it from the skill signaler. Um, as far as the quarterback being involved with kind of what the O-line's doing, um, run game wise, you know, he doesn't he doesn't need to really tell us anything or communicate with us. We're doing most of that communicating ourselves. Uh, in our pass protection stuff, uh, we will give kind of a, a general signal or call, if you will, to the O line, um, to which then the quarterback will elaborate on with a with a directional call based on what he's seeing, um, and then we kind of go from there with our checks and adjustments. Coach, so, so kind of going back into to practice and you guys working, uh, we talked a little bit about run game, but uh, when you get into pass pro, how do you guys like to break that up? Do you do any one-on-one -on -one pass pro? If so, how are you guys breaking that up? If not, you know, going through drills, how are you guys working through that to get a lot of reps for everybody? So a lot of times um, we start off our practice uh, during warm-ups uh, by starting by doing uh, pass protection drills on air. Um, one thing that we, we've really incorporated this year is using a medicine ball um, to teach kids how to be biomechanically efficient whenever they're driving and catching. So the first thing that we'll do is, is we'll, we'll emphasize them driving by taking their, their, backs, their back knee, all right, their catch foot, and putting their knee on the ball. And on the cadence, they drive off of their foot, all right, and they catch it on their on their catch foot then we move on to fingertips on the ball uh, to emphasize the players keeping their chest high and their shoulders locked in and maintaining a steady level and as they drive and catch they have to roll the ball with their fingertips uh, and then we move to uh, holding the bowl holding the water bowl and they got to hold they hold the ball at their chest with their thumbs out uh, to in really engage their core and to force them to keep their shoulder blades together. And they are driving and catching uh, on the cadence. And we're making sure that every single one of them, that they are staying uh, stable in their core. 
And then after that, um, whenever we do get into pass pro during Indy, uh, it really just depends on the week and, and how we're feeling because we like to alternate. Uh, some days I'll take the tackles and I'll work them in, in more spacious uh, drills, whereas Coach Atkins will take the centers and the guards and he'll work taking quick sets and, and putting hands on. But uh, I'll let Coach Atkins explain that a little bit more. Yeah, so we, like Coach was saying, we start with pre-practice, and during pre-practice, there's a lot of specialty type stuff going on, and we're not involved in a lot of that stuff. So we, we really get about 10, 15 minutes to kind of work our our past fundamental circuit, where we do a lot of the, you know, the OLP stuff, the stuff you see with the the drive catch, and and trying to get you know your movements as efficient as possible. Uh, it also allows us to work a lot of hand drills, um, whether it's like uh, sit and refit or or um, mirror type drills or different things, you know, where we can work some hand combat drills with tackles and, and you know, f uh, false hand shots to try to get the DN to engage us, move quicker and kind of work some of those fine-tuned things. And usually at least twice a week, um, sometimes three times a week, we'll get together with the D-line and we'll either work um, a, like a one-on-one -on -one bullets type drill um, or we'll work um, full line blitz pickup. And so we get a chance every day in some fashion to competitive, competitively um, work our craft against those guys. And, and we really use it more as a, as a chance to um, work technique and try different things out. Um, um, we know that one-on-one -on -one pass pro is more of a defensive drill uh, anyway, but we try to embrace it and we try to hype it up and we try to get our guys into it a little bit um, to uh, really use it as a time to kind of work some of those different change-up techniques that you may use during a game to kind of help you against the guy you may be struggling against. Yeah, that's, that's to me what, what I think that its biggest use is for is, is for guys to just work, you know, some change-up stuff for them. Like you said, it's a defensive drill, no doubt. But also, so is, you know, so is third and 15. Uh, yeah. that, that's a defensive drill too. So you're going to be in that situation sometimes. But also, like you said, at least for us, it's not so much about winning or losing the drill. It's about working some things that maybe you've been working all day in practice. Now you get to work them against a full-speed guy and not necessarily worry so much about we want to win, but not worry so much about if you lose, you get your quarterback killed. It's more let's work some of these things in a full-speed type situation. Exactly. It's that you can take the fear away and just play and experiment with something that coach taught you earlier and, and just, just really test it out, man. It's like a free, free range type of place to where you can just play. And, and like you said, it's not about winning. And but we try to hype our guys up and get them involved in it and get them a chance to compete and kind of get those juices out and they enjoy it and they enjoy getting after it. We've got, we got a pretty good competitive nature. And like coach kind of hit on earlier, our, the culture we work really hard to kind of develop with our guys this year, you know, really kind of blossom through, through drills like this. And, you know, more than anything, as far as those, those pass pro drills, um, you know, coach said it, you know, it, it is highly competitive. We absolutely want to win, but more than anything, we're looking at the way that the kid moves. We're looking at and seeing if they're executing the technique, right? We're trying to see, if their body is in the correct position, if they're utilizing the correct leverage, if their hands are getting placed right. You know, because some, some pass pro reps, you know, a kid might win, but the rep itself sucked. Maybe he just won because he was stronger than the other kid. Or some, some of them, it might even look like, you know, the kid, the, the tackle may have lost, 
but it might be the best rep that he's taken as far as being efficient in the way that he moves. And so that's something that we really try to preach to our kids is to not only be competitive because you're dang right we want to win, but more than anything, you need to pay attention to detail because that, that's what's going to get us to win. Yeah, and it's, and it's one more thing that we get to put on film to show these guys later on. Uh, we, we, we carry an iPad around with us all day, and we film everything from warm-up drills to uh, any period to inside drill to one-on-one pass pro to blitz pickup to team. We film everything. We want them to see everything they're doing because at the end of the day, like, like Kale said, we want them at all times – moving as efficiently as possible and we want them working their craft at all time and if we can find a rep and, and even one-on-one pass pro to show them hey you know you're really coming out of what we want you doing right here you know it's it's a way that i can show them on film because they kind of get tired of of hearing it from us at times and hearing it and hearing it but if we can show it to them then there's no avoiding it yeah i think that's an awesome way to do it i mean giving them that that instant feedback and and being able to see it i mean always always just kind of reinforces the you know the the stuff that you're trying to get done um i know the other fun part you know when i had the opportunity to work with with coach harper and and coach broils was you know to me the my favorite part was the off season because you know you're going to have a you know new group new crop of guys or you know offensive line is such a developmental position you know, I, I love being able to have those those drill segments or uh, coming up with, you know, different types of exercises to, to kind of, you know, groove a lot of the skills we're trying to do or, you know, evaluate kids. And, and I know, Kale, you'd said it before, you know, we want to see how well the guy moves. Well, evaluating if a guy's struggling with this kind of movement, what are some exercises and things we can do in the offseason to make sure those guys are doing it? You know, how do you guys kind of work together to, to develop you know, not only your, your group culture, but also, you know, the strengths and the movements and the things that you need to see from your offensive line in that offseason? So for me, the most, the most important thing is, you know, you can, you can tell a kid this, you can put him through this drill, you can, you can make him do this exercise. But if the kid is not bought into the culture, then he's not going to care. And he might execute something one day, but the next day he's going to forget it because he doesn't, he doesn't care. Because offensive line is one of those positions where, you know, it's very selfless. You know, you're, you're doing your best to make sure that somebody else succeeds. And especially for a high school kid, you know, that's, that is not appealing to them. You know, they want to do other cool stuff. They want to catch footballs. You know, they want to, they want to score touchdowns. They want to play defensive line and, and make sacks. So the most important thing, and this one thing that, that I've been very proud of working with Coach Atkins is the culture that we've established. And once that kid gets around, um, once that kid gets around some of the older guys and, and starts to talk with them and work with them and, and realize, you know, what our culture is, um, that's, that's when you start to really see improvement from a kid because they're bought in mentally and emotionally. Now, as far as drills go, a lot of the times when a kid is not moving the correct way is because they're not physically ready to move that way. So one thing that Coach Atkins and I have been working really, really hard on is making sure that we are always trying to incorporate some kind of core camp or core work with the kid. They have to learn how to keep their core tight because most offensive linemen, you know, and maybe I'm just speaking from personal experience, they don't know how to tighten their core. They don't even know what a core is. They haven't even heard of it, you know. So you got to teach a kid how to, how to keep his core stable so that way he can be physically ready to learn how to move the right way. Yeah, and uh, like you hit on off season is like the optimal time to be able to kind of slow down and work some of this stuff. So our season ended in November. 
um, after being eliminated from the playoffs. And with our championships taking place the first week of December, as soon as that was over, second week of December, we hit the ground rolling. And uh, our state allows us the opportunity to work with our kids uh, in a in a 50% setting. So we can work with, you know, six, six or yeah, six kids with one coach um, for a certain amount of time each week. And so we went ahead and set up those immediately uh, in December. And the things that we worked on for the first couple weeks was not a scheme or any type of play or any of that stuff. It was all movement. It was uh, establishing movement patterns. It was developing posture. It was, like Kale said, learning how to stabilize the core and doing workouts as, um, that, that enhance stabilizing the core and teaching them how to properly move and, you know, where the pressure goes in the foot and how to set the proper power angles in the leg and the knee and the ankle and, and so on and so forth and really just breaking them down back to the basics so that when we get to the spring, which now we're not having a spring, but if we would have gotten to the spring, then we can start to work on um, scheme and, and all that stuff. But really none of that matters if they're not moving efficiently from the beginning. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it, it's it's incredibly important to take care of the things that you can do without pads. Uh, take care of that during the time. That time. That way, when whenever we do get to put pads on, because it's so limited at this point, at least in Oklahoma, it is uh, that we get to use that for the contact, um, you know, drills or things that we need to get done uh, for the few weeks that we do get to have pads on. Well, coach, kind of kind of going into. Um, game plan or going into a Sunday you know I know you guys talked about how you, you've each got your own um, things that the OC sends down to you guys and, and how you guys break things down what what is your what is your um, you know your post game breakdown what does that look like for you guys and then what does your opponent breakdown look for with how you guys split that up so post game uh, we get started with uh, you know usually Friday night or if not Saturday morning Saturdays is there's no we don't meet at all Saturdays, so that's individual. Um, usually what me and Kale do is we'll talk all throughout Saturday. Um, we'll get our grading done. Uh, we'll get our review done. One of the ways we broke it up to kind of maximize our time this year was um, I kind of handled more of the grading aspect while Kale kind of handled more of the highlighting different points that we wanted to show them when we met with them for film. Um, that way when we met with them for film, we had the grade breakdown, you know, we had our knockdowns, we had our pancakes, we had all the good like stats tallied up. And Kale had the breakdown as far as we're gonna look at this play to highlight this and talk about this error and talk about this good thing and, and move like that. And then as we move into, you know, preparing for the next opponent, um, uh, we start, you know, with data input on huddle, getting the fronts done, getting the stunts done, um, all that good stuff. And then uh, one thing me and Kale did this year was we, we did a, a full-length scout report that we would give to our kids on Sundays. And on that scout report, first page, we kind of introduce the opponent and talk about their base front, um, kind of their base uh, main stunts, um, what their identity is. Um, and then as you move to the second page, and it have like the fronts drawn up and it have the name that we were going to call them and the numbers that play those positions and all that. As you move to the second page, it, it, you begin to talk about kind of their main pressures, uh, their main stunts, kind of the things that they rely on. Uh, we would leave most of the exotic stuff off of it um, and just address it later. And then the third page, which was kind of the thing that took the most time, was kind of a scout report 
where we broke down their their main guys. So we would take, for example, nose guard number 90 is John Doe and, you know, kind of give him their his size and if he had any offers and kind of some main things about what he's good at, how he plays, and then what are some of his negatives? What are some of the, the advantages we have on this guy? That way, Sunday we come in for meeting time. You know, we obviously we are, we address the past. We address the game we played. We talk grades, all that. Then when we turn the corner to move on, we hand them the scout report and we kind of start working through it together. You know, and, and really this was this is just the genesis of just time management. Um, you only get a certain amount of time with the kids on Sunday, and so we just decided that this was the best way to break it down. Um, so that way, whenever we do start watching film, which you know that's extremely valuable time. You know, not only do we want to get as many clips in, you know, as we can see, but we also want the the clips to be uh, quality stuff. We want it to be, uh, be the good stuff. We want it to be the bad stuff. And so that means you know you got to put a little bit more time into it. And instead of just you know going you know play one, two, three, and four, you know you might start off at play three and then skip to play fifteen. You know, because maybe the plays in between, you know, they didn't exactly have um, stuff that you can really, really coach up. So, really, it's it, it was just – it was born out of just making sure that we are maximizing our time efficiency on Sundays. How do you guys then do, like, your, uh, you know, your, your run self-scout or your guys' offensive self-scout? Is that something you guys spend, you know, quite a bit of time on? I know, I know Coach Harp and I always had a lot of fun, you know, being able to kind of see – you know, what were our most efficient runs? And, and by the time we'd gotten, you know, to late in the season, we, we had a pretty good idea of, you know, what our identity was going to be, knowing that you guys run a, a ton of different schemes that you can pull out of the cupboard, but, you know, kind of being able to narrow that down as you go throughout the year. Yeah, so one thing uh, ROC would have us do after each week was uh, we'd pull the report of the game that we had just played and and then look at, like you said, the success rates and the tendencies of when we ran plays, but also when it was successful and what was successful. Um, and so through through those reports and through kind of self-reflection and film work, and then also through some communication with the kids with, you know, what they felt comfortable with and, and what, they, what they liked, um, we were able to kind of find, you know, like this is what we're comfortable doing you know, against anybody at any time, at any front, we'd be willing to run this play. Or, you know, this is what we're really comfortable doing against odd, and this is what we're really comfortable doing against even. Um, things like that. So kind of similar to what you said, running the reports and seeing the percentages, but also kind of more of a feel thing. I, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, Coach, Atkins, uh, Coach Atkins hit the nail on the head there. Well, Coach, you know, kind of rolling up on an hour now, uh, both you guys, and, and, and I'd like to kind of hear from both of you, but um, the question I always, always like to end uh, the, the podcast with is, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? So, um, when, I'm, when I'm watching another offensive line, um, you know, a couple of things that I'm, that I'm looking at is uh, – you know, what, what's their effort level look like? You know, are they, are they playing violently? Um, but, but more importantly than anything is uh, their eyes. You know, when you watch a really good offensive line, you know, you see five or, or sometimes, you know, six or seven guys, they are all moving in a uniform fashion. And they're all focused on what their individual assignment is. So when you're watching a really, really good team play, you know, you're not seeing one guy trying to do somebody else's job. So that way, when that person fails on their job, 
the play completely busts open and it really highlights how bad they messed up their job. Whereas when you're, when you're, you know, when I'm watching a, a O line that's, that's average, you know, I don't see them moving, you know, uniformly. I don't, I don't see their eyes uh, being disciplined depending on what concept they're running. Um, so, so for me, what makes me think highly of an offensive line coach is, is eye discipline. Yeah. And, and for me, like when I'm watching film or, or watching a game, um, what really stands out to me uh, when I can tell that an offensive line is being well coached or developed is, uh, is kind of watching as a, as a big play happens or a successful play happens, seeing um, an offensive line, you know, chasing after the play and celebrating their, with their teammates and, and having a good time. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, offensive line, like Kale said earlier, is a very selfless position. It's a, it's a servant heart type position um, to where – to where you're doing the dirty work every play, you know you're you're in there 100% contact on every single play, um, no no glory, no newspaper write up, um, none of the fun cool stuff. Nobody's talking about you, but at the end of the day, this superstar tailback breaks off a 40 yard run and he's going to get all the glory for it. But you're chasing it and, and you're celebrating and you're you know you've got four or five guys chasing the play fist pumping and throwing double pistols in the air and just like having a good time enjoying the game knowing that they take pride in their role that they really embrace what they're doing that kind of show when I see that on film that shows me that you know not only has their offensive line coach done a great job of like really getting across to them how important they are in what their role is on the football team but it also shows that there's a true culture that's being developed and being cultivated daily with those guys to show that you know not only is what they do important but it's fun and it's fun to get after people and it's fun to demolish people and it's fun to open up these holes for some of these athletic guys to run around and make plays but at the end of the day none of that stuff happens without these five big guys up front so when I see you know five hog nasties chasing a ball down the field 40 yards behind the play just pumping fists and having a good time that shows me that they're being coached up pretty well fellas man it's been an absolute blast I love both your answers there and and, and even more I, I just you know love hearing how well you guys get along and, and how you guys bounce ideas off of each other and and consistently you know being able to reflect and evaluate and, you know like I said I've, I've I've been lucky enough to work in programs where I've had, you know, multiple offensive line coaches, me being one of them at, at a couple of places. And then, you know, seeing coach Harper, coach Broyles and the relationships that, that those guys have and the, and the way that they can work those things together to me, it just says a lot about, you know, you guys as people. And then generally it, it says a lot about kind of, you know, how offensive line, you know, Twitter world or offensive line, you know, people really are. So, Awesome to hear your guys' story and awesome to, to, to hear you guys talk about how well you work together. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you guys for what y'all do as far as this podcast. And, and like you said, the Twitter world and offensive line is not like a glorified thing, but it's kind of going through this renaissance almost right now to where it's becoming cool, it's becoming popular, it's becoming talked about. And a lot of that is because of things like this podcast that really put it out there and let people talk about it and hear about it and hear about the intricacies that go into it. So thank you guys for what you do. You know, I listen to this podcast all the time because I'm, I'm always trying to learn something new um, about anything as, as far as football goes. And, and um, you know, I can't, can't tell you how thankful I am that uh, you guys are allowing us uh, some of your time to 
to be able to share our thoughts and, and our opinions and, and what we know. So um, thank you very much, and, and I'm certainly grateful for this time. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.